Hey everybody, Jordan here. The PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about random character creation, as well as what to do when players are slowing down the game significantly. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Saturday morning. Can't wait to jump into it. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be lots of lots of fun. So thank you, Cyberwolf and MJS October and Indoor Adventure and all the other fun people that come out to watch us live on uh, Saturday mornings. We love to see you. Graham. So. Yeah. Yeah, some really Lots cool people. people. So thank you. Um, first of all, I hope you guys, if you're an American citizen, had a happy 4th of July, a happy safe 4th of July. I was on Reddit, um, mm-hmm. and I just kept seeing all of the, the nurses and stuff were posting, like, so it begins, where it's like firework injury this mm-hmm. and firework this. So so stay safe out there with your 4th of July. Um, yeah, I ended up, they're so fun. I ended up playing uh, Pandemic, and we lost, like, two or three times. Uh, twice. We played twice. Uh, and so we did not save the world and diseases took over and we lost, but, um, that was the first time I ever played pandemic and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I forget, I forget like, because we play so much D and D and when I think about like getting my friends over for board games, it's to play D and D, um, that there are other board games out there that are really fun. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to remember that. And it is true that last weekend was Canada's equivalent ish 4th of July kind of day. Yes, Canada day. Yeah. Yeah. So all North America had theirs in July. Hey, yay. yay. That's awesome. <laughs> um, right. Show news. What's going on, Lucian, in the world of D&D? Yeah, it was, I, I missed a little bit because I think a few things on Friday, I got really busy at work, so I didn't quite catch everything. In fact, I was telling uh, Jordan as we were getting ready to go for the show, I was trying to skip through um, the fireside chat with Nathan to see if I could pick up any tidbits for you guys that might've missed it. And that show is so hard to try to glean any information from, unless you just sit there and listen, cause they will talk and talk and talk about all kinds of stuff like their life or what they're doing or jokes or inside jokes. And then they'll throw a sentence out that'll be like, Oh, and we're going to do a variant cover of the, the DMG, but then they'll just jump right off it. So if you weren't, if your ears yeah. weren't perked up, at minute 321, you might have missed the sentence he did. And you'd be like, wait, what did Nathan just say? <laughs> they said. So, but that is one of the to... things they're doing is variant yeah. covers for the player's handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Monster Manual. So It's been hinted strongly. They never confirmed it in that, but they just kept hinting at it. Okay, yeah. but they did show some pictures on Twitter. So yeah. um, I guess maybe they're still like, yeah, we hired a designer and we did all of this, but is there a market for this? Like, It's still yeah. Maybe. Because there are people out there that are collectors that will probably buy them. Um, I will not because I already own the books (laughs) and it's it's pretty expensive. Fifty dollars. I mean, that's one hundred and fifty dollars to get three different covers. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, they did. It's interesting if you go back and you do want to listen to it. You don't want to just hear our kind of me and Jordan's idea of it. Um, The the interesting thing that you might see is there. They talk about their point of view of people buying additional books, why they might want to buy a variant cover or not, their understanding of why. Because one of the other questions they started talking about, which was interesting and we've never really talked about, was they never leave a code in their physical books for you to get the PDF. So I think a lot of fans have always wanted, and I was one of those to think, man, if I just spent 50 bucks 
on, let's say, uh, Mordekainen's tome, it'd be nice if they gave me a code that I could mm. use as a PDF also, because I'm going to use the thing. I bought it. It'd be nice if I had it at both. So if I was going somewhere, I had it on my iPad or whatever. Yeah. And they talk a little bit about why they've thought about it. They've thought about ways to try to do it, but that they haven't found a good way to do it. Yeah. They're still open-minded about maybe trying to find ways, but oh, you know, they good, kind of describe I, the realities. I thought they were just too scared of piracy, which they is, are. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, they totally are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, there's no way they can put a code in the book that somebody can't just take. Right. Because they don't wrap them. They said they don't shrink wrap their books. And the reason they don't shrink wrap their books is because the shrink wrap is the part that gets damaged. And then it feels like when somebody's getting something with damage to the shrink wrap, they feel like they're getting something damaged itself. Really? Even though the book inside wasn't, was what he was saying. And then he said, that's why they tried to make their books more durable. And he also made a mention that he said, this isn't a replacement for to say, we're not trying to say, hey, if you got a really crappy version of our first edition book, because they know they had some problems with some of the print runs that they had, he's saying, send that in. We will give you a new book. This is not trying to to take the place of that or make it by another one. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. But he's saying it wasn't a way for them to try to entice those people into buying new ones they want to replace those so if you have one that had fallen apart not just because you had been using it but was legitimately had a problem with it you can send it in they will replace it from what i've seen they are very good about replacing their books better than anything i've seen out there as far as book replacement and these are books that we use a lot like i was just thinking we're making characters last weekend and i'm flipping through these books and i realize how often we open our books up flip through them back and forth, back and forth. Mm. These have held up pretty well. Like I go through my Volos guide a lot because mm. I just love Volos for whatever reason. And I'm slowly going through Mordekainen's more and more. And I'm noticing that these books hold up really well. So they've got a really good process thus far for, for making their books. They'd almost have to be because, yeah, the books get so much use. Like, because like I mean, I'm reference. dragging my player's handbook to Adventure League and I'm taking it all yeah. over the place. And like not even just like wear and tear in my backpack, but also you're constantly leaving it open at a page and things like that. So for yeah. sure. Yeah. It looks like everybody in chat's talking about it too, when they would buy their books or if they would just use D and D beyond, which is another way that they would do it. And it does make sense to me that it's such a weird, I think if you take it out of context, it feels like a money grab, like a corporate thing to do. Like I'm going to make you buy it on D and D beyond. I'm going to make you buy it. If you want a PDF, I'm going to make you buy it. If you want a, uh, the book and i'm going to offer a variant cover for those of you that are collectors so now i guess theoretically there are probably people out there that have bought the player's handbook four times already if yeah. they it, theoretically if these uh variant covers come out so they'll they'll bought their regular one their variant cover one they're big into D beyond so they, they bought the player's handbook for that piece of it uh or or maybe volo's guide would be a better better example because i think you need to buy that stuff to get it in D beyond i think player's handbook comes with D beyond no but then, you have you to know, buy you have to you buy, have to buy players, oh, pretty just, sure there there's like <laughs> they're like basic D comes with D beyond and then yeah. if you want extra the extra classes and to like level up past four or something I, i'm pretty sure you have to buy it i'm uh, hearing that chat uh, jordan's audio is a little low so i'm gonna adjust it on my end jordan don't worry about your end we'll that just try sounds them. good because my we'll audio is great on my end Okay, <laughs> nothing changed, but we'll always adjust it to what you guys think. 
Skull Dixon, thanks for the heads up there, just in case, or check your volume. Maybe it's on you. I don't know. <laughs> but it's true. I don't know D and MJS October said something good, like don't make statements about D and D Beyond if we don't know. And I don't use it, so honestly, I shouldn't make any statements because that's true. Um, but I hear it's a great product, and people have really enjoyed it. Like I know somebody that actively uses D and D Beyond, and he really loves it, and it's totally worth the money for him. Um, he plays a lot of games online. See, and I don't, I don't own things like I don't own a printer in my house. If, if I could make, I think I would use it more if I could go online, uh, make a bunch of characters, print them out and then use them. But because I don't have a printer and I don't have a lot of other stuff, it just makes more sense for me to use it at the table. So that's Mm -hmm. what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, on top of that, actually too, there's a lot of other things that are coming out that are helping with, um, player rules for Dungeons and Dragons because I just noticed the big push that they talked about in one of the previous um, streams, the one that Greg Tito did, he made a mention of Roll20's Character Mancer, which is the new character generator in uh, Roll20 for creating a character. And it's a very D&D Beyond-ish kind of way to create a character, but mm-hmm. it's their version of it. Okay. Still only using the the OSR rule stuff, um, or uh, the open license stuff, OpenGL yeah. stuff, um, not OSR, but OpenGL. But it does have buttons to say custom so that you could go ahead and put in, um, you know, like something custom. If like you if you bought the book, you could go through and be like, I'm going to add the drow paint. race now or something like yeah. that. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Very so, cool. So that was that. Um, Greg Tito talked a little bit about, there was a stream coming up that they were talking about, and I was going to go back and look. I don't I didn't think it was this weekend, but I'm going to check again. They announced it on Dice Camera Action that they were going to do a huge crossover streaming yeah. event for C-Team, Dice Camera Action, Acquisitions, Inc., uh, 2DMs, all the players mixed into groups, playing all kinds of games all throughout a weekend, culminating in a big everybody-comes-together group mm-hmm. with 2DMs at the same game at the same time. That could be pretty fun because those are a that that whole group is a big. I'm a big fan of that whole. Yeah, you know, I love Chris Perkins as a DM. I love uh, Jerry Holkins as a DM. Would be so cool to be able to play a game with him. He's super good, and just to see them all come together, Mike Kruhicki and all those guys. I always get his name wrong. Mike Kruhulik, yeah. Kruhulik, yeah. I really like Acquisitions Incorporated. It's what got me into D and D. Watching those like way back when they were still playing Fourth Edition, and I really liked. I, I still really like Acquisitions Incorporated and it's easy to digest because it's like one or two episodes a year. So it's kind yeah. of like, oh, I can like catch up with that. Um, I have not gotten into Dice Camera Action. I've watched a couple episodes of it and I really like it. There's just so much media out there to consume. And the C Team yeah. is the same way. I think I watched the first four episodes of the C Team and then I kind of fizzled out. But I'm excited for this because I know those characters um, and I know mostly because of acquisitions incorporated they've like they've made little guest appearances on Ack Inc and stuff like that so it'll be what i'm really curious about is two dungeon masters and how they're going to handle that and is it is it like the two of them are i'll take the monster i'll take these monsters you take these monsters or i'll take the skill challenges and you take this um or is it going to be completely collaborative or is it like you fall in a pit now you're part of Jerry Holkins team and you went left into this portal and so now you're on Chris Perkins team I don't know. It could be, it seems yeah, it like it's like a, a whole comedy act. Yeah. Too. It could be like a whole, you know, them fighting amongst each other and the players are in the middle as like, almost like a show theme of, you know, I, I dropped this uh, meteor on you and then, and he's like, ah, but 
I make sure there's a tree above you so it doesn't hit you. And they're like, no, I want that meteor to hit them. I want that damage. And you know, like, so it could be a funny thing where they're battling each other to do as much harm to the players as possible. It could be, like you said, they're switching on and off in certain phases. It, it, there, there's so many routes they could go at it. It could be really funny if they played it like um, you, you come into a room and there's three orcs and they all kind of like, ha, ah, orcs, we can beat orcs. And then the other DM's like, oh, but there's five orcs now or something. It's like some, yeah. and there's a troll and you know, they just keep, you know, ganging up on the player. Cause it's almost like the DM could have a teammate. Whereas the players always have teammates to work with each other. The DM never gets to have a teammate, right? They got to do it all themselves. So it'd be kind of funny if that was how that kind of worked out. So I think it'd be cool to see something like that if they put a little effort into it. And you know, they always do because yeah. the effort they put into running a game is super cool. And no, to it's me, gonna be awesome. So, and I, uh, the, I don't know. I, I like that idea because uh, if it if it works out really well and it's something that players can steal, like I want to steal yeah. that as a GM and be like, let I want to do double GMs, like double game yeah. masters. That would be really that'd fun. Be cool. Tag team, so, that'd be sweet. <laughs> I don't know something. Like I'm curious how they're gonna do it, and so and it's gonna be cool. Yeah. But I like that those characters have kind of grown with the fan base too like a lot of people know who strix is and a lot of people know who uh omen drawn is and so like we we've we i don't know like it's been like years and years of these characters and they've they've been cross promoting and going to different franchises and stuff it really makes me want to have like no like let my let my little bard join your crew and i want to i want to be on dice camera action and actually like formulate this character that has a lasting impact on the community it's kind of neat so yeah they've done a really cool job and the thing that i like the most about the original ack inc game the one that they've been doing for quite a while it felt to me like the most real DD game when you're sitting around at a table with your friends because they weren't all voice actors doing cool voice things. They were always referencing pop culture stuff. They were always mm. making jokes that were inside metagamey kind of jokes. And that was the way that it always seemed like at my table when we played Dungeons and Dragons. I, I never felt like, um, and again, this is not a knock on Critical Role, but oh, I would yeah. watch Critical Role as something that's a performance and something that my group would never be able to do. Like I would look at them and I'd be like, that's a cool D and D game, but that's never happened at my table. Mm-hmm. I've never had, you know, voice actors just really getting into their characters like that. And the, and the DM being that good, I've never had access to that, but I've had access to games like the Aki mm-hmm. game that, that I've seen and played and had a really good time. And some of our best sessions have turned out similar to stuff like that. So I always felt like that was the good. If you wanted to see what D and D really was, I wanted to show somebody who'd never seen it that's the one I would point them to more than some of the other ones. Mm. I was actually, we had a friend over last night cause we were watching movies and um, she's just getting into Dungeons and Dragons. And she was asking like, how do you role play Jordan? And I was like, Oh man, like that's, that's a, a big question. Um, because you watch shows like critical role and then you kind of feel like, am I playing D and D wrong? And you're not. Um, and I kind of, and I said this and this is, I, sh- I don't know if I should say this out loud, because <laughs> it'll spark a lot of controversy. But <laughs> Dungeons & Dragons is a role-playing game, but I don't think it necessarily teaches you how to role-play well. It teaches you, like, yeah. like the rules are, like, here's combat and here's exploration, but that third pillar of role-playing, there isn't a lot of, like... Like, you can say things like, I, I roll to intimidate, rather than actually creating a situation where the DM would say, that was a really good sentence, let's see if it works, roll intimidation. 
Yeah. Um, and you can kind of get into that mindset. And she was very like, oh, I'm so happy you said that because I thought I was doing something wrong with Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, no, not at all. Like, yeah. like you, you just learn to, you learn to role play. And I was like, I, I was terrible at it and I still am terrible at it. And it wasn't until I played that Numenera game where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've got to like step up my role play game. I haven't had to do this before. Yeah. So, or even think of it from the GM standpoint, um, when, if somebody's first, introduction to Dungeons and Dragons is they watch Critical Role, they love it, they're into it, and they finally found out, oh, Jordan, you're a DM, I can get in a game, this is cool. They go to your game, and you don't do anything Matt Mercer does, yeah. right? You're, you do a Jordan game, not a Matt Mercer game, and that person, at first, not maliciously or anything, might look at you and say, wait a minute, are you are you GMing right? Because that's not how I've seen it work. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, no, they're, yeah, we have to be really good about explaining there's lots of different ways to play the game. There's lots of different levels of being comfortable with playing. Obviously, actors are going to use the things that they like to do, and they like to act. They mm. like to be in character. They like to do those things. So their games are going to going to show that. And mm -hmm. and for us, that may be like more tactical combat. Like I like to play war games and strategy games. You might play in my game and realize, man, he really gets into exactly how many feet there is between this person and that, and how he maneuvers on the table. And I've got to have grids and miniatures and all that stuff and then other people just want theater of the mind and other people just want you know mm -hmm. less you know so there's not wrong ways to play there's no way to say this is the right way to play it's just find the way that you enjoy to play and then find a group that likes playing that way too yeah that's really the key find the group that plays the way you like to play and then everybody it just works out for everybody at that point yeah for sure um, no, it was, uh, that was an interesting conversation I had with her last night. Cause it kind of opened my eyes too, where I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's hard to teach improvised storytelling. Um, mm -hmm. and we have this framework of a game that aids us in improvised storytelling by creating characters and situations, which to improv around. But, um, that's a, that's a hard hard thing to teach in a book, you know, you kind of just have to like play around and do it. And then it, you, you learn by experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So what are you doing in games, sir? What's going well, on this week, yeah, last week, we next week? So, <laughs> after, yeah. After last week, if you guys were here, you were listening to us talk. Um, we had a, I had a pretty slow week the week before. And then immediately after that, I got uh, the message that said, hey, we're going to put together a group that's going to meet on Sundays. Do you want to play in a, in a live sit at the table game? And I jumped on it because I'm like, yeah, I want to I want to make sure my experience is wide ranging. I play a ton of online games. I've got a lot of people that play in my games. But if I get a chance to, to play in a game, that's going to be cool, too. So it's a campaign. So I ran over there we went downtown and we met in a really cool office the actual place that we're playing is a game company they build a, a game and we're in one of their offices so it's oh, kind nice of cool. like video games yeah. or yeah, board like games computer. okay like an actual um i'm not gonna say who it is but it's yeah, an actual I <laughs> pretty big moba game that's out there pretty well known okay and so we're in this offices i'm like oh this is cool i'm in a game office and we're in their big conference room we're playing dungeons and dragons and this is cool so we made up um characters and it was basically this gm's version of a, a session zero and another reason i like to volunteer for these things as a gm because i like to see how other gms do things yeah so the minute i find out there's gonna be some other new gm and the person that kind of 
keyed me into this was LB Hackem up. She um, she's here from the same place I'm at, and we played in a few games, and then she invited me to play in one of her games and with a group of her friends. And I thought, yeah, I want to get in on this. We're gonna go down there and and try this out. So he had his set of rules, you know, like here's what I like and here's what I don't like. Um, he's doing a different type of initiative system because he he wants to play with a different initiative system than the fifth edition is. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple of other things, and I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, you know that's one way to do it. And I, I'm telling myself, you know, don't, don't be the person that says, Oh, but in the book on page 43, yeah. it says, this is how this works. So I'm listening to it and he's, he's wants to change combat rules a little bit. He wants to change how hit points and damage work a little bit to try to make combats move quicker. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll see how it works. And he was pretty upfront to say, I haven't really run the math strongly on this. So we'll just try it out and see if it works the way I think it's going to work. And if not, we'll figure it out. I'm like, cool he's experimenting Mm -hmm. this is gonna be fun i'm gonna get into it uh he let us play any of the races of the release stuff that's out there he even said we could play anything pathfinder wise he had a bunch of pathfinder books sitting there too so i'm assuming he has a a strong grasp on conversion over maybe to fifth edition so he was willing if he wanted to do something like that um but i created a character we did we rolled dice pretty pretty standard i don't remember anything in there that was not standard i think we did four 46 drop one pretty standard um and so i decided to create a first level fighter gnome i mean the first gnome i've ever played which i'm going to try to move into the arcane archer subclass at some point obviously i'm only level one at the moment we'll see if i survive but it was a cool <laughs> thing found out of uh, Xanathar's guide that when I read through it, I thought it could be a very interesting character. They had him as an elven character, but I thought I could do something kind of cool with a gnomish archer. Mm. And it'd be cool to have like a gnomish fighter that can lean back on nice hit points, good armor and weapons if I need to, even though I'm only three foot tall. I like that juxtaposition of super small, but there's nothing that says my damage doesn't hit as hard as the barbarians or hits as hard as the, the eight foot guy. We're, seeing, we're swinging the same damage die when we roll yeah. two-handed sword. There's nothing different. And that was one question that came up to me uh, when I was thinking about indoor adventures, like, woo, LB. Um, when you get some equipment from the player's handbook, like for your class, so like in Fighter, it says you can choose between, I want to say, uh, maybe a sword, and, and then it says a long or sword, a longbow, or... or 20 arrows. Yeah, longbow. And we all know that a longbow is this big six foot strong British style bow. It was a different style bow that was supposed to be much more powerful, but I'm a gnome. So do I get a regular size longbow I can't use or because the class says I get a longbow, do I get a gnomish equivalent longbow? So it's a longbow made for a gnome which would only be three feet high, but has the same stopping power as the full version. Yeah. I was wondering, just as an aside, I didn't even ask the GM because I didn't want to be that guy, but I was just wondering, I'm thinking you could have a gnomish longbow that is short but powerful somehow. Um, were there, be- not in fifth edition, but were there ever rules that was like, if you played a halfling or a gnome, you just like couldn't use a longsword? I don't know. I don't like, think so. I'm wondering if that was the case. Like a great cause... sword? You couldn't have a great sword? A yeah. Great sword? Or it's like you use a long sword as a great sword because you're a gnome. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But you're right. I, I would rule it that you just have a gnomish equivalent. But if you're out in the world, like we ran into this in Adventure League where um, we fought a bunch of Duergar and they had plate mail. 
And so the humans were like, well, can we take their plate mail? And it's like, well, it's made for a dwarf, so you can, but you can't wear it because it doesn't fit you. Right. Um, and they ended up being like, well, can we take like a long rest? And I have some smithing tools. Can I like hammer it out so that it fits me? Like reshape it with your smithing tools. And they made him do a roll and he succeeded. So he got some plate mail. Um, and I was like, no, that's creative. That's kind of cool. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah if, I mean, if you just find a random longbow, unless it's magical and it can resize itself. Um, I would, I don't know. Yeah, that's how I would say. But But you're right. If you wanted to play a really gritty game where it's just like, no, based on your size, you can't use a longbow. And so if you want to be a gnome fighter, you're going to have to s- stick with a short bow and short bow I, damage. That's what I did. So. I did because in my mind, I thought it didn't make sense for my gnome to have an actual ah. longbow. So I went short bow uh, just on purpose, even though mm-hmm. I'm going to try to go arcane archer and I want to be a, a, a real badass kind of bow person. I thought, no, it's going to make sense if he has some type of short bow that he uses from the woods and he's a forest gnome. Um, so I just thought that all made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm seeing, yeah, Quint, Quintus is saying uh, small races could not use large weapons. He doesn't say what version, but there may have been a version, maybe 3.5 might have said something like that, or earlier yeah, I version. I feel like might there was said. an earlier version of D&D that had that. Yeah. that but that's use. not in 5th. I don't think I've seen anywhere in 5th where it says you can't. I'd have to go back and look. But we'll have to check so I thought that, that was cool. Yeah. Put some uh, um, answers in the show notes. Hopefully I should write myself we, a note to check. <laughs> yeah. We, we did that in our storm Kings thunder thing. Uh, our players fought some orogs, which are the orcs with plate mail mm. and they're big hulking and they, they beat like four of them. And so one of our players was a paladin who didn't have plate armor yet. So his obvious first question was, well, wait a minute, can I have wear orcish plate mail? And, and mm-hmm. to me, I did the same thing. I said, you could take it to an armor they could use those pieces, reshape them, and turn it into something that could be plate armor for you. And I said, the only thing is it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Because it's not going to look very good. And it might need a piece or two from one of the other sets. So they ended up using two sets to make one to make it all work out. Just because I wanted it to be something that not every, not all of a sudden they had four sets of plate armor. But they, yeah. got, they got one set of fully fitted plate armor for one of their, their paladin. And then they still had one or two to sell after that just for cool well, it was pretty good for them so but that was the uh so that was that all we did was session zero we've how got long are you playing tomorrow. yeah you, oh you're playing tomorrow like weekly he or said, he said that was a good thing because i was that was another note i was wondering what is this gm doing because one of our pieces of advice is always tell your players how long you think you're going to play a campaign and he said he's the type of guy that wants to play a pretty long campaign he wants to be pretty consistent so if everybody can do that, then this is going to go great. And if not, it's not going to be as fun of an experience. So everybody nodded their head and they're like, yeah, we can make it. Let's do this. So it feels like it'll be a longer campaign. Um, it's in his own world. Totally his own world. But cool. it sounds like he's really put a lot of thought into it. So we'll learn about how that goes um, pretty soon. And I felt pretty good. So I've got first level gnome fighter for tomorrow's game, which I will be our first uh, session one, I believe. Nice. We're going to do backstories tomorrow. He, he wanted us, he gave us like five questions to answer nice. for our backstories. <laughs> so we're going to bring those like homework almost, bring those back, and we're going to talk about those tomorrow. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. So good session zero from a, um, a GM I've never played with. Um, sure, there's maybe one or two things I would do different, but that's just because that's the style game I run, not because yeah. he's wrong or I'm right or anything like that. But I just looked at it and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. That's It seemed pretty good and it was a pretty good experience. So it was going to be fun. And I get to roll dice physically and 
being a cool kind of uh, game company room to do mm-hmm. all the stuff. And so it was going to be pretty fun. No, that sounds really exciting. I'm jealous. So good job. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and then, uh, then we decided to do our Monday night was Borderlands. Um, we moved it, which that's our normal Thursday night game, which is my pre-West Marches game, which I say every single week. Um, and we moved it over to Monday because we have a person that's going to be gone on Thursday. So we thought, let's just play on Monday so everybody would be there. And then one of our people didn't make it, <laughs> who might be in chat at some point. He didn't show up for about an hour or two because his alarm didn't go off. No, no. <laughs> and, uh, so we ended up not being able to play. And I keep telling those guys, if they're not all there, we're not going to play the session trying to use peer pressure from themselves to make sure everybody's there. Um, and because we're at the end of the storyline and I want everybody to be there for the end of the storyline. Cause I think we're about to wrap this up in a couple of sessions. So with the group I had there, instead of just saying, Hey, everybody go off and do whatever you want. Let's just cancel it. I said, let's start talking about how this campaign is going to go when we go live with it, because this has always been pre West marches which means at some point I would do a real West Marches campaign, which is Mm -hmm. now what I've been getting ready for. So they were excited about that. They asked a bunch of questions and we decided to go ahead up and roll characters for this new campaign. So for when West Marches goes live, which is a 50 years after the timeline they're in right now with the, the characters they're playing at the moment, they've rolled up new characters. They're going to go in as a group 50 years later, different group and see what's changed and see how things are different and play through the real version of this campaign I want to do. So we did something really fun that I thought was interesting. And I recommend that uh, GMs try out there because it seemed like all the players had a really good time with it is we did random race, random class, random stats. So here's how we did there. We found out there since they released Volo's guide, somebody made up a D 100 role and it had all the different races that were available at the time, even some in there that were a little that came from um, some of the unofficial sources like uh, Warforged. And, oh, OK. Under Darkana stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we replaced a couple of those with the Mordekane and stuff because that role didn't have any of the Mordekane and stuff in there yet. But it had things like orcs and, and kobolds and ASMR and all these other things, humans and, and just everything's in there. And we had them roll. And at the bottom of it, the the really cool thing about this list was if you rolled 95 to 100, you got to re-roll twice and pick between one of those. Okay. So there was this little, and two of the people did it. So of the five that rolled characters, um, two of them rolled high enough to make two rolls to get a choice. The other three had to take what they got. Um, And it came out super eclectic. It came out super crazy um so we have a fireball we have a furball right furball i thought you said fire i always think fireball i always think fireball okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a gith zarai uh because you could choose between and we didn't make them choose the subclass or the sub race we only said you uh, roll for the race and then you could pick what sub race you wanted so if you got dwarf you could pick whatever dwarf you want okay um so we got furball Githzerai, Kenku, um, who was the other one? Uh, something weird too. It was like another monster I'm race. Seeing Dragonborn on your list. Two Dragonborn. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
look at your notes, dummy. We had <laughs> people roll up Dragonborn. So that, yeah, we have a Githzerai, two Dragonborns, a Furbog, and a Kenku in this group that is going to be going into the real West Marches game. So I thought that was kind of cool. Then there currently are 12 classes. So we can do a D12 roll. Now on this one, I let them roll twice and pick one of the two. So they got to roll two D12s and they could choose from that. So we ended up getting... They still think they're kind of hemming and hawing on which way they're going to go, but it sounds like we're going to have, check this one out, a Gith Zerai Druid. Cool. Okay. Yeah, a Plains Druid. Think of that. Yeah. Think That's almost like going out of the book, you know, not not Forest Druid at all. This is going to be something very different. So I was, I was working with him a little bit, and we're going to talk about what are the different things he can turn into if he summons things? What are they going to be? Because they're going to be things that are more natural to that. So it's going to be fun to do a really strange druid, almost more like a dark sun druid in some ways, mm-hmm. or or something that's you know just very different than the, the the real stereotype druid. I know we have a rogue. I believe we have a paladin. Um, I don't know if the others have picked theirs yet. They're still working. I think we have a cleric. So it's going to be interesting um, to see how they turn that out. And I'm sure we'll get more of, you know, next Saturday, I'll have more information for you guys probably on what they're doing. The other thing they've been doing is they've been writing stories in Discord quite a bit about their characters. And when we go live on the West Marches game, I'm going to make available all the stuff they're writing about their characters and backstories and stuff to viewers of the show. And anybody that's interested, I'm going to put it out in a place that you can get to it. Um, maybe Patreon. It might be how I actually start my Patreon and you can get to all of that character stuff because they're writing fantastic stories Mm -hmm. that's happening in the background. They did it in the pre-West Marches game and they're going to continue to do it in the West Marches game. And then the next cool thing about this is when it finally does go live, I don't have an actual announcement date yet of when we're doing it, but when it goes live, I'm going to open it up to those on Discord for us and even fans of the show, subscribers, those kinds of things to say there are going to be certain days where I'm willing to run a game. And if the players can organize a party of four to five on their own, they can submit a thing that says we can be there at this time to play a game. Then I'm going to run a game for that party out of the West marches. So they're going to be able to bring in their characters. They're going to get to go out, do some cool stuff and come back. And it'll be first come first serve uh, when I announce these different things. So other people get to play in the campaign also. Cool. I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, make mm-hmm. the world a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you and and we'll do a session where when we you'll get to roll your random race, your random class, your random stats. Um, oh, I did stats differently too. Check this one out. Yeah, yeah. I had them roll twenty four sixes, six siders. <clears throat> then they had to make their stats from any combination of three from that roll. Oh, so you could get so roll it okay. all at once. Yeah, so it's kind of the same as four drop one, but it's you get to pick what numbers to combine with what numbers. Seems like a easy way to get a couple eighteens and things like that. So, <laughs> right, but then a couple of them rolled kind of low, so it was kind of an easy way to say, "Oh crap, I have five ones. What am I going to do with five ones? Right. How do I offset five ones?" So it and it turns into like if you have you done a point by character creator yet? Yeah. How long did you sit and look at the point by possibilities before you settle on the one you wanted? Oh, like quite a while. Like, yeah. yeah it I was mean, almost like a math problem. Like, no, it, it does. Like, Cause oh, you're always just like, well, now I'm at 29 oh, points instead of 27 points. And like, do I want yeah. this or do I want that? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And then my, my race is going to be in this. I'm going to get plus this. And you, you know, you're thinking of all do these things. Do I want things. the variant human or do I not? And so, yeah. Yeah. So this, I thought this was a good way to get a little bit of that point by feeling in of min maxing if you wanted to, but it also still had some randomness to it as far as dice rolling. Cause okay. I love dice rolling for yeah. whatever dice rolling is good for me. So, um, so we did, that was the whole thing. So I think this campaign is going to be the same way. If you want in this campaign, it's going to be, when you form your party, I will bring you into a session zero with your group members. We'll sit in there. You'll roll your random race. You'll roll your random class. You'll roll your random stats. I'll let you create your character. You'll show up. You'll get to go adventure. And then if that group can't stay together, it doesn't matter because the West Marches is about form your group. Tell me you're ready to go. First come, first serve. You get to go out. Cool. So I think that would be pretty fun. So that's what I tackled for my D&D this week. And I thought it was really fun. A lot of character creation stuff this week. And it made me really look at the tools that are out there and realize there's really good tools for building characters all over the place. Um, I know D&D Beyond has a great way to do it. I love the Character Mancer in Roll20 and allowed me to create a bunch of uh, random characters really nice and easy. Um, I still like using the book. I like, I've seen people with spreadsheets out there that you could just download off the internet for printable ones, um, or non printable ones, ones that are going to be used online and that kind of thing. Um, ones that are done in Excel sheets or word docs mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff. It's cool how much stuff out there for building characters there is. Um, and it's fun. It's just one of my favorite aspects of RPGs. Actually half of it is character building. The other half is playing and getting into the story <laughs> and having fun with people. But for me, the the other major half of having fun is just building characters or thinking about character concepts. So yeah. this whole week was character concepts. It was pretty fun. Sweet. Sounds awesome. So yeah, I, I uh, sit at work when I'm bored and I'll make characters and I'll go to the Point By website. There's a website. If you just Google Point By 5e, you'll find it. And then I'll like play around with like, okay, if I was a dwarf wizard where would I put my intelligence and what would I do here? And so um, I agree with you. Like I love building characters and I love building themed characters that like taking all of the, their spells and abilities and kind of mapping them around a theme, kind of like what you're doing with your, your gnome archer. Like you're, yeah. you're very much like, I want to have this, I have this idea for this like archer, small gnome with a short bow and I want to make him like nimble and like this. And so you kind of build a character around that idea and it's fun. Yeah. They're not the strongest characters, but that's the whole no, point no. is they have yeah. flaws and, I was and they're interesting. Really, like Hawkeye was in my mind when I was thinking about yeah. from the Avengers, the idea of a, of a utilitarian uh, character that could help with damage dealing probably is tough enough in D&D terms to take a hit or two because there'll be a fighter anyways yeah. and be able to wear good armor class, but still be able to be, because um, we're going to have a pretty upline front person. We're going to have some spellcaster. We're going to have a, a healer. So I thought I wanted, I love playing versatile characters i love characters that are the glue that binds the group together or the person that fills the holes that everybody else has mm -hmm. you know i like i love that and i usually i was either going to go warlock to do it but i thought no you know what i want to try this fighter archer and it wasn't even ranger because it's going the fighter class into the archer yeah into an in a subclass in fighter to get to become a good archer which seems counter productive if why don't you just go ranger if you want to be great with a bow because that's that first thing that comes to your head but there's lots of ways to come at character creation there's a lot of different ways you can do it uh, the only other one i was thinking about was monk because i haven't done monk um was one I, at least in a long time so i was thinking ah oh, monk could be cool too but 
uh, Arcane Archer one out, and we'll see how I build that out. I'm going to build it very much a, a nimble Hawkeye kind of character and see how that plays. So. Cool. How did your week of D&D or game playing go? Um, well, I didn't play any games at my home game this week, um, oh. and I won't tomorrow either because uh, we have one of our players is out of town. Um, but I did read a lot of Dungeon Crawl classics, and I'm super obsessed with this role-playing game, guys. Uh, it's interesting because I played through a zero-level adventure online, which if you're on my YouTube channel or on the, the Jordan with a PH YouTube channel, um, I think the live game is posted there in a playlist. But we went through Sail, Sailors of the Starless Sea, um, which is a zero-level adventure. And so that's the one I'm going to try and run for people. So I've, I've, in, I've contacted some friends here and built like a Facebook group and basically said like, hey, let's run Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, four of them are really excited. One of them is kind of like, it's not D&D, I'm not sure, uh, but I'm willing to give it a try. And so now I'm just trying to coordinate a time uh, for them to all meet up and actually play. And looking at schedules, it might be after Gen Con because everybody's just getting really busy really quickly. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> Some, Summers are tough unless you're a person that role plays all the time because you already cut out that kind of yeah. part of your schedule and you're, yeah, I'm a gamer year long. I love game and I'm looking for games. I want to be in games. I want to host games, but to get people who don't normally play, they normally have plans for summer doing something. Yeah. Nobody, you know, they're camping, they're good traveling. They're going to amusement parks, they're family stuff, graduations, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, they're doing cool stuff in the summertime. And so it's hard to say, Hey, come play four hours yeah. at my table. <laughs> no, I, so they were asking an adventures league for dungeon masters and I volunteered. And then the guy was basically like, well, look around. We have plenty of dungeon masters. I'm like, Hey guys, you asked me to be a dungeon master. Like I'm just yeah. following up on this. But he was saying that he's like, no, the summer hits and we lose a lot of players. And then September hits and I was like, oh, and you get a lot of players because the new adventure comes out? And he's like, no, we lose even more because people go back to school or mm -hmm. other things happen. Like, it's just, it'll, he's like, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if we're down to like maybe two or three tables in September. And I was like, oh, wow, that'll be crazy because I'm still playing. So, but, you know, I'm yeah. in my mid 30s with plenty of free time. So I go to Adventure League every Thursday. Um mm -hmm. But reading all of this Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, I really want to run a game about it. And it got me thinking about Hot Springs Island. And so I was like, well, Hot Springs Island is system neutral. I wonder if I could run it in DCC. So I did some searches. And there's a guy that is trying to run it on Reddit. He was kind of documenting his, uh, he's like, well, not really documenting, but he was like, this could be a fun pairing. So I went through Hot Springs Island and got all of the monsters in Hot Springs Island. And then I went through Dungeon Crawl Classics and like made equivalent monsters with hit dice and things like that. So if I wanted to run it, I was like, well, now at least I have the monster stats. Um, yeah. So that was another idea of running DCC as Hot Springs Island. Um, but then my Adventure League group, I was talking to them uh, on Thursday because we were playing Adventure League. And they were just kind of like, yeah, our Saturday game isn't working out very well because one of our friends can't make the Saturday games anymore. So we're looking to see if about starting another game during the week. And I kind of dropped hints that I'd be interested in playing if they'd have me. I'm not part of their like inner friend circle. I'm just like the random guy at Adventure League. But like we're still friends. We played Adventure League. And he contacted me. And so we're going to try and start a game. And I might DM it. He might DM it. We're not sure yet. But uh, it looks like I might be able to get another game during the week, which I'm really excited for. So nice. we'll see. 
Yeah. That would be cool. And then it got me thinking about running Hot Springs Island for that just as a fifth edition game because that's kind of what I've been prepping to run it as. And it would be easier on me rather than a DCC game. And they want to play, you know, D&D 5e. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I sometimes fall back on that right now because I want to play other games. And I have a lot of systems I've been reading about yeah. and getting close to being able to run any of those. But right when you're about to pull the trigger, <clears throat> it's always easier to fall back on, well, I could run a D&D 5e game right now with no problem. Yeah. No confidence issues at all. No, I've got stuff ready to go. Yeah. I could make a million roll 20 games. Like, you know, I'm ready to roll on that. So it's, sometimes it takes that kick to get out of our own little comfortable, yeah. comfortable rut <clears throat> say, no, I'm going to run Numenera or yeah. nope, I'm going to run DCC or I'm going to run whatever it is. Because a lot of people like, I want to run MCC. The yeah. Chronicles, which I was reading through that the other day too. Uh, yeah, I, I pulled the trigger and bought the uh, PDF of that one because I really liked the DCC book that I bought and I was reading through that and it's it's fully interchangeable too. Like you can run mm-hmm. DCC characters in Mutant Crawl Classics and vice versa. So it's really fun. Yeah, Skull Dixon was on there too. I saw Adam did his review of it. I was like, oh, I got to do MCC. Yeah. I got to do this. It's going to be so cool. Oh, you got me excited. That's a good review. It. You guys should check that out because um, he goes uh, into pretty good detail about why why Dungeon Crawl Classics is important and why thus yeah. Mutant Crawl Classics is important. And it mm-hmm. is. It's a great system. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to run this zero level session. And if my players love it, which I'm almost certain that they will, uh, then I'm going to say, hey, instead of just being a one shot, do you guys want to do um, three or four games? And so then I'll run a first level one shot and then a second level one shot and then a third level one shot. And then I'll probably be like, I either have it out of my system or I need to go write my own adventure and we need to keep yeah. playing. Like one of that's the two good, things yeah. will happen. But that's that's my plan with Dungeon Crawl Classics. So, yeah. yeah. It was funny, too, because uh, Ben put out from Questing Beast a video this week that talked about how to bring more spells into Dungeons and Dragons 5e. And one of the things he referenced was the big DCC book because he said he, he held the book up, you know, and said, this is a big, thick book. The majority of it is magic and spells stuff. So different ways to do spells and things that's, and and that got me thinking too, that I'm surprised Dungeons and Dragons hasn't put out a more comprehensive spell only book. Like this Mm -hmm. is a book to just, open up how spells can be done in different ways or different or even just lists of new ones right just Mm. big lists of all kinds of new ones would be really cool because it seems like we've had the same ones for a long time and they seem like we we need more i don't know i feel like we need more spell especially in in a world that's supposed to be full of magic you would think we would get a lot more ways to do to use that in the games but Mm. we're kind of i don't even know how many there are what, 122 spells, or I don't even know how many there is. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem I know like... Xanathar's opened it up with a bunch of new spells, but uh, yeah. but you're right. Like, um, The problem is, is that magic breaks the game. Like, ma- magic is the cheat codes to the game, so they have to be very careful with creating new spells, I, I would imagine. Uh, there True. is a great supplement. Well, I say great. I've never used it, but I own it, called The Book of Lost Spells by Frog God Games. Mm-hmm. And straight up, uh, Frog God Games says in the introduction to that book, it's just a whole collection of various spells, and it's really cool. And they say, don't hand this to your players. Like, here's the list of spells you can, like, 
uh, uh, look through, like have them look through their, you know, fifth edition spell book that they have memorized. But when you want to surprise your players, like if they're in a foreign world and they find a spell scroll they've never heard of, that's what you use this book for. And there's some really cool spells like, like, uh, uh, I guess now we have the shadow blade spell where you summon like a, a, a magical long sword of shadow that does psychic damage. But they had one where you'd summon a sand blade, like a blade made out of sand and you could do oh, all this cool, cool stuff with it. And there were just really unique and interesting spells that, um, if you rolled randomly on tables to like find a, make a spell scroll, your wizard would just be like, where am I? Like, where what is this yeah. place that has this weird magic that I've never heard of? Um, and it, it's a way to bring that wonder back. So that's why I bought that book because I, th- I like magic and I thought it was really cool to be able to incorporate something like that. But then in my home game, nobody chose to play a wizard. So I haven't uh. actually uh, <laughs> used this book of lost spells yet. But it's, it's yeah, a, I'm going to use it in my West Marches. The, uh, it's a good ben supplement. Five options that was another good one so six but i did i wanted to do that as spell scrolls that they would find things that they because that's their veteran players who have scoured the the player's handbook Mm. and know exactly the right spell combination they want for their perfect character so i can't wait to throw in something that goes what this isn't a real DD spell what's going on here I can't wait to throw some of that kind of stuff at him. So no, uh, Theorems and Thaumaturgy is a good one. And Ben mentioned that in his book or in his uh, video. So you should check that book out. Um, and if you wanted to use DCC, though, in your game, in your West Marches game, you could be like, this is forbidden magic. And in order yeah. to use this, because the DCC spell system is you roll a D20 and you have to get over like a 12 in order for the spell to be successful. And then anything higher than a 12, it just does more damage or has a different effect. So if you're doing like a fireball, it goes to, okay, you rolled a 12, you do 46 damage, you roll a 30 plus, and you ended up doing a uh, like giant firestorm that, that t- you know, <laughs> destroys a city. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really cool. So you could have like forbidden magic where they have to like roll on this table to actually see how damaging the spell is because it's hard to, hard to control and use the DCC spell system. That could be really yeah. cool. So. Yeah, like how Soberwolf says, yeah, the, the wizard's cops are going to get you if you use these spells. Probably. There'll be the purists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you're ruining the game because you yeah. brought in spells that aren't officially They're released. They're not balanced. <laughs> this is poppycock. You can't play this in a, yeah. in a you're, version you're of Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons. Completely awful. Yeah, and then, so I just had... I've been reading a lot of DCC. I've been reading a lot of Hot Springs Island, trying to like merge the two. And then I went to Adventure League on Thursday and had a lot of fun. Um, same group of people, same DM. So I'm really enjoying bar, like right? going through, we're going through Forges of Fury from Tales of the Yawning Portal. And mm-hmm. um, we're having lots of fun. I used my new ring of spell storing. I like misty stepped out of the way and I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, we had... Uh, we thought we were at like the end game because we kind of found like a throne room and we're like, oh, this is where the big fight's going to be. Um, we ended up fighting some Duergar and then found, I think, four different entrances that we could leave. So we're like, okay, this is not the final bit of the dungeon that we thought it was. And we ended up going through a secret door behind the throne. We found like another area. We found another secret door and another one. We found a room full of like dead orcs and that's where we stopped. But... I really feel like we didn't get a lot done. And so I was going to ask you, like, what do you do to keep things moving? Because there was a lot of, like, granted, there were seven of us at the table. So that's probably problem number one, where you have seven people who all have an idea of, like, what we should do and where we should go. And they can't agree. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really slow. Like, we, we got through this one fight. 
and then a second fight, and then we argued about finding uh, uh, secret doors until we ultimately found a secret door. And by then the session was over. Like we had played three hours where we had done two fights and we had explored like a small little section of it. Uh, yeah. And it just got me thinking, like, how could we have moved this along a little faster? Like, do we need to elect a representative that we're just like, this guy makes decisions for us when it comes to combat. And this guy makes decisions for us when it comes to travel. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a group that's done that where they were indecisive. Yeah. So a lot of sessions would drag on because they would just talk back and forth about well, we think this is what the orcs are doing, so this is what we should do. And the other person would be like, well, no, I think this is what the orcs are trying to do. It's different, and we should do this different thing. And now the group's paralyzed because nobody knows which one to go. They both sound legitimately right. They both, And actually, as I'm listening to them, they're both completely wrong, yeah. which is the hard thing is the GM. They're <laughs> like, no, I think the orcs are trying to do this, so we should go do this. And the other person's like, no, the orcs are clearly doing this we should go do this. And I'm thinking in my head, like they're not doing any of those things, but you guys keep coming up with your plans. Cause I don't know how this is going to turn out. So it is weird. What happens when your group is, is not decisive. Yeah. I try to pressure them into letting them talk, but then saying things need to start happening. What's happening. Yeah. Who's doing what is somebody doing something and trying to nudge them, not push, but maybe nudge them along so that we can keep the session going um, when they get to that place. Cause your players will always get to a place where they over discuss or over analyze something. Like if you send them into a room and it's clearly there's a trap there, but they can't see it. Yeah. They will spend a long time at the door of that room trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And you can say, you guys can talk as much as you want but I'm springing this trap on you as soon as you walk in the door and there's nothing you can do to figure out what it is. You just need to walk through the door. They will still sit there yeah. and discuss what they should do, how they should do it. Is there something they can do to get around it? Um, they're very cautious. So a lot of players can be super cautious. I think it comes from very cautious players, usually veteran players, that are trying to outthink whatever's happening in the room mm -hmm. because they think that's what you want them to do. And if your group happens to have the impetuous player, the one who just says, all right, you guys have talked for five minutes. I'm just walking in. I'm, I'm tired of listening. And that to was me. Like I got to that point yeah. where I'm just like, <laughs> I turned to the DM. I'm like, I'm rolling a perception check to see if I find another magical door or like I open this door or I walk through. Cause I'm like, I'm just tired of us bickering about like which direction to go. And then yeah, they were like, wait, yeah. where's Jordan going? Like Jordan's walking so, into the room. <laughs> so our group at currently Greybeard plays that role as the barbarian guy that says pretty much if talking goes on for more than four minutes, he just starts moving and hitting something. It's just like, he doesn't have time for them to create a plan. So it's happened at least three different times where they're trying to figure out how they're going to ambush a fire giant. And they quickly, I say, Oh, while you guys are talking, go ahead and give me a perception check. And like, whoever makes them like, you notice Greybeard's no longer within the group. And they're just like, Oh God, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> already started the fight somewhere else. Yeah. So if you have a player that's good at that and you can talk to your players, um, I think as a GM, I, I communicate freely with them about stuff like that, about, Hey, you guys could help me with keeping game tempo up. You guys could help me with not doing stuff. You know, when you see the game dragon, 
come on, let's do something. Let's you're helping keeping things go along or, or I'll sometimes tell them even out of game. Cause I know they're good role players and I know they'll play their character correctly. I might say to them, your character doesn't know this at all, but you guys really are on a dead end spot here. This is, you're just right. not even coming close. So, you know, role play your guys way out of that. And I can trust them enough with that information that they'll move the game along and get going because we all want to have a fun time. We don't all want to be trapped in the maze for seven sessions because we couldn't get out of the minotaur's maze because for some reason we just keep making bad choices you know we just keep making the you know whatever's happening is not working so i think that's my advice have let your play let your let your veteran player the player you trust the most to help you out help you and tell them you want that help tell them when you see the group kind of lagging when you see the group is in a quagmire of options and they don't know what to do help it along let it let them come up with something but if it takes too long then just push it along and they usually can help you with that yeah yeah it's uh it's it's interesting because if it was my game i think i would know ways as a gm to like kind of instigate like hey guys clock's ticking you need to figure out what you're doing or more orcs are going to be rushing in here like oh what you know something like that um but this dm was was very like not complacent, but he was letting us figure it out. And I was just getting to the point where I'm like, we are not the people to figure this out. <laughs> it is taking way too long, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Um, I think that's our, sh- Oh, excuse me. I think that's our show. Everybody. Yeah. I would like to thank, uh, dungeons and dragon. I was thinking that exact same joke. MSJ October. <laughs> Whereas like your, your game is dragon. It's dungeons and dragon. Ha ha ha. anyway thank you guys so much for coming out uh we love seeing you and to our new podcast listeners we hope you're enjoying the show and to our youtube listeners we also hope you're enjoying the show so this is it's just awesome that we're available on all these different formats and that people are checking out the show um if you want more you can always follow lucian and i on twitter i am at jordan with a silent ph in the middle um, that's J-O-R-P-H-D-A-N. And Sir Lucian is at Sir Lucian Gaming. That's uh, Lucian, L-U-C-I-E-N. So Sir Lucian Gaming. You guys mm-hmm. check us out on Twitter. We're pretty active on Twitter. Um, I mostly post about my cat because my cat's adorable. But uh, there's there's other times that I post about D&D. So, yeah. Anything else, sir? Uh, nope. Check out the links that are showing up in chat over there. Indoor Adventures putting a few of them out there. Uh, you can listen to this show on podcast now. Jordan has done a fantastic job getting us over into the podcast realm. So if you're a podcast listener, hey, welcome. And hopefully you'll be enjoying our stuff. YouTube, Twitch, we're here. We'll keep you guys informed. It yep. was great. You can always catch us live uh, Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific at uh, Twitch TV slash Sir Lucian. And we are going to Gen Con. We are. So if you're going to Gen Con, we're definitely going to want to try to meet up with any fans of the show if we can. We're super busy. We have a big schedule. Everybody's getting stuff ready. I just got my tickets in the mail. Uh, I saw Graybeard got his badge, and I'm sure... Jordan will be getting his stuff pretty soon. So we're going to be I'm out there. I think I'm picking it up there, but I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yep. That's another way to do it too. I'm getting mine. For, I have to go find the room where, cause I'm running games as a GM. Yeah. So I have to go to that room and they're going to have my badge there. You get to go probably to the, the cool line. Yeah. <laughs> which I did the first time I went to Gen Con, which is cool. Everybody should do that. You stand in this big giant line in this big giant, uh, conference center and it was cool because the person I sat there and talked with a game designer 
who was getting his badge and he was creating a card game and he was showing me a prototype of it. Nice. And I still talked to that guy on Twitter. I made a friend standing there in the line. So take that opportunity to meet the people that are around you. They're fans. They're, they're just people that have that same um, hobby that you do and they're excited to be there and it's a cool atmosphere i can't wait to see everybody there can't wait that a bunch of my friends are going this year so it's going to be super cool too um but it'll be it'll be fun and i'm gonna make some saturday morning D show buttons so if you can find me and i'll probably give some to sir lucian too so he can hand them out but if you find either of us at gen con um mm-hmm. i will give you a saturday morning D show button um as a as a just saying hi so and you guys can wear some some uh some swag it'll be fun so anyway thank you guys so much we will see you next week with another episode of the saturday morning DD show goodbye everybody our intro and outro music is 8-bit march by twin musicom licensed under creative commons check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org